Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and this week I am joined by one of our podcast regulars in Dan Lambert. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Uh, uh, but more importantly, taking time out of his busy day is uh, number one Our Generation fan, Jacob Tingle. Jacob, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah. Greetings from San Antonio, Texas. Happy to be here. Uh, just a quick note, Dan has said that he will walk off the podcast if you call football soccer at any point, so um, he's asked that everyone's on their best behaviour. Uh, anyway, QPR rounded off the pre-World Cup part of this season with a brutal and horrible away loss to Coventry. Some people were unlucky enough to actually go and visit Coventry for this uh, experience. One person in particular was Dan Lambert. So uh, you were pretty mad post-match, Dan. Just pretty, just sum it up quite briefly for us. Um, there isn't really much to say, to be honest. I thought they were the better side. Um, but kind of, it was the performance that we've been in the last three games. Can't really break teams down. Um, didn't really look that threatening. And then it was just kind of a lacklustre performance for... I don't know how many there was with 4,000 away fans there. We never really do well with big crowds anyway, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great um, game, just a frustrating trip, really. Yeah, it seems like polar opposite of last season, which I managed to get up there for, you know, similar size crowd. Um, last year, the team certainly put in a, a resolute performance, I guess, to get a 2-1 win this year, not so much. So let's look at the team news first. Um, Richards came in and started for the first time, which meant that Adoma was on the bench, I believe. Uh, Powell was ill as well, so Clark's also moved to left back. Dickey starts at centre back. Also, Jimmy Dunn comes in, meaning there's no Leon Balligan. Um, Dan, you were quite excited to see Richards in the team sheet for the first time, weren't you? Starting, um, any anything else that jumps out from you from that first? Of that lineup, not really. I, I think Richards is more probably a forced forced start in the sense that Tim wasn't wasn't available. Um, maybe surprised that Clark Salter was shifted as a left back, but we didn't really have many options. Um, but now it was kind of a the usual team. I thought Dazelle was a kind of uh, he was definitely going to come in, wasn't he? With Amos injured, so it wasn't too much really to to, to moan about. Yeah, Jacob, uh, from afar, what was your sort of views on the starting 11? We've been pretty sort of consistent in certain areas of the field so far this season in terms of selection. So there's been quite a few enforced changes there. Yeah, I mean, agree with what Dan said. I mean, just in terms of Dizelle and Richards in particular, not, you know, wasn't any, any kind of shock. And then I guess when I found out that Powell wasn't going to start, I don't know what you do on the left that, you know, well, I'll, I'll talk about my feelings about Jake Clark's alter in that position later, you know, maybe. But, yeah, just in terms of looking at the lineup, I thought, well, this is, this is of course, who you're going to roll out. Yeah, um, I guess at, when the team sheet was first announced, w was there any sort of thoughts in your mind, Dan, that perhaps that they could have gone to five at the back and been really, really bizarre? Um, I mean, the other option, of course, and he was there, is Nico Hammerlinen. He's... I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, if, that, if there's a if there's a way to go out on the World Cup break, but that's a that's throw your wild card in. Um, no, I, I don't think it was kind of. I don't think he would have gone five at the back or three at the back. Um, it'd probably been quite a, a shock if I'd seen that. But 
yeah, I'm just kind of glad that Nico Hamalana wasn't wasn't starting to be honest. Yeah, I happened to watch him. I think were you there as well, Dan, for the cup for the League Cup match? No, I can't which remember one, which one was against uh, Charlton at the start of the season. No, no. I mean, no, he was woefully out of his depth there against, a, I guess, a pretty good League One side, but all the same, you know, not ideal. And this will probably relate to a question I'll ask you much later on, but I think the left back will be looming over us. Well, that left back position will certainly loom over us as we enter January. Um, Jacob, you mentioned there some thoughts about Clark Salter. Um, you know, on paper, I think me and Dan quite like him. The, the idea that that he brings in, uh, you know, left-sided centre-back, passing out from the back, that sort of thing. Very capable on his day. Had a few injury problems so far this season. And I know that it seems to already frustrate Clive Whittenham, uh, love for words. Uh, you know, you see a tweet at nearly every game, unfortunately, because Clark Salter seems to go off injured every game. But you sort of hinted at some thoughts on him there, Jacob. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I really like him, especially, I really do like the, I think the pairing with him and um, him and Dickie can be nice. And that's one I'd like to see more of. And I think I'm guessing Beal would like to see more of that too, if, if he were healthy. I, I and, and like, I'm with Dan, like when I saw that and I saw the bench, it was a good, I don't know, you short of going to, you know, to five at the back or three, you know, I, I don't know what you would have done. But I just I, – I re-watched the, the second half um, last night and to, to think a little bit about this, and, and I just – he was really caught out, um, mm. you know, in, in that position. And um, it looked to me – you know, again, I'm not any kind of expert in this, but it looked to me like that Dickie was, was trying to pull out a little bit and, and kind of cover some of that, which – pulled down a little bit, which then I think exposed Laird on that backside. So to, to me, I just thought, I thought that the back line was not pretty at all for that whole game. And again, I don't know what else you would have done. Mm. Uh, uh, we we got, we, we need a left back, a second option. Um, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, would you sort of echo the thoughts that Jacob said there? Yeah, no, I think that's kind of um, <clears throat> what highlights the second goal really, because, there's a bit. I think Dicky gets caught between two two um, two Coventry players, and then O'Hare's two v one against Dunn with Yokarez kind of on the blind side, um, and Clark Sauter isn't horizontal to that defensive line, so it kind of allows Yokarez that um, that free pass really. So you know, I do agree with that. Um, I don't really remember the build up to to that before the move. Why he got caught out? Because I thought it was on the other side of play. But um, no, I agree with Jacob on that. I mean, it's an unfortunate thing, isn't it? I guess. Unfortunate in the sense that it's a a situation of our own making. We've gone into this season with two first choice fullbacks, and then you've got Aussie that can do a job at times, but then you are left so exposed um, on the left with Hammerlinen as your backup, and he's clearly decided, as has previous managers decided, that Hammerlinen is not good enough. Um, yet there's still this sort of that decision to give him a four-year contract uh, two or three years ago, whenever it was, um, you know, thankfully that will be coming to an end soon and he's definitely not going to get another deal now. He, he seems to have a great time going to his various loans in 
I don't know where is it. He went to the MLS, didn't he? He went to yeah, Brazil. He's he's been everywhere. You know, it seems to get picked up quite easily by quite attractive clubs. But at the same time, he's obviously not good enough. Um, and it's a, a situation, like I said, of our own making. For a number of years now, we just haven't been able to sort of nail down a a left back really that's going to be threatening enough uh, as a first choice. In in case of say like uh, Powell going ill, um, you, you think of the left backs we've had in that position, and it's just it's not exactly the most inspiring of rosters, I'd say. Um, Richards, he as we said, got his first start. Um, I'm going to try and avoid saying his first name because I will get him confused with Roberts. Uh, but Dan, um, a player that you have a lot of time for already, and we've not seen too much of him. How did you think he got on? Um, I thought he was all right. I don't think anyone particularly had a really good game. Um, you could tell towards the end he was kind of leggy, kind of his first start. He hasn't really had too many minutes in the bank. Um I thought he had a little bit of purpose about him. That's why I kind of like him. You know, you drive at, drive at uh, midfielders and defenders tr- trying to make something happen because, like we've seen the last three games, we can't really break down teams that sit in. Um, and that kind of playmaking uh, midfielder in, in the midfield three could potentially help that. It didn't really in the end. But, um, no, I thought it was a it was a promising day um, start, to be fair. Um, but he needs, he needs to up his fitness during the World Cup break. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob, a couple of weeks ago, he, there was a quote going around from Mick Beale saying that they know that they have a very talented player on their hands in with Richards. So uh, from what we saw at the weekends and what we've seen so far, do you reckon that we're spot on with that? Yeah, you know, you know I'm, I'm like, Dan, I, I really, I don't know that this game, like you said, was was super for anybody, but um, there are little sparks and things that that he does with the ball um, that I think are really encouraging. And, and I, like, especially, I don't know if he's actually fast in terms of like I feel like Tim is really super fast, so I don't know if he's got that kind of pace. But it looks to me like he's got a really, in basketball terms, we would talk about like a really quick first step. Like I can get around somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, I'm encouraged and excited to see what he can do with a little bit more experience and when he is a little bit more fit. Um, and, and I, you know, I think like one of the little notes I wrote down is some decision-making things, you know, about like when to get rid of the ball and when to keep it. And so I think his, his, like that quick first step or that ability to get around people can sometimes maybe with somebody as young as he is deceive him into thinking that he can get around the next guy and then the next guy when he really probably should pass and move um so th- that's i think is going to come with time but i'm i'm really excited about what he could become mm. yeah because yeah, there's the, you know there's that uh obligation to block by him uh i guess by the end of the season so yeah, i'm sure that's something that if it's in, within the finances they'll definitely be triggering um just before we move on to i think we've already covered the second goal a little bit and we'll talk about the first goal as well in a bit more detail but just before that um Bit of criticism for Beal's substitutions and when he brings substitutions on, uh, going around on Twitter. Um, you know, the last couple of games, I guess, as well, it's been quite late, but in this game in particular, you've got Kakai coming on 80th minute, Adoma and Thomas 
coming on on the 87th and Armstrong and Shadipo coming on on the 83rd. So, Dan, question to you is, is Beal not being proactive enough and changing at the right time? Or is it a case of, if you look at those names, who's actually going to change the game for you within the last sort of 30 minutes of a match? Yeah, I think I think with that, I think he might be slightly sending a message to the board, perhaps, that he doesn't have enough depth or he doesn't have good enough depth. I think it was a hard one because the game the game to me felt at times very end-to-end, but also at times they were happy to sit in. So a player like Armstrong, he'd thrive on a game that's kind of going end-to-end, kind of pace power. But then when, when they kind of sat in, you don't really have the space for him to, to kind of damage teams. Um, so that, I can understand that one being halted. But I think I think there was um, some proactivity needed from Bill. I think you could tell the game was one 0 We weren't really looking like scoring. So I think I think he could have done made one one or two subs a bit earlier just for a bit of freshness because we did look leggy. Um, but yeah, there is the flip side that who really will change that game uh, for us. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of more quotes from Bill, uh, I had a look and. When what he said post-match to BBC, Jacob, and he mentioned that there was a sort of, we weren't ruthless. There was a lack of ruthlessness, um, a bit, not too much of a cutting edge, a bit of a sort of similar story to what me and Dan talked about last week on the podcast. So is it kind of, you know, is it the same thing again? We're not breaking down teams. Yeah. Well, and and just before I answer that, like the flip side of, uh, I don't know how you say his name, Gokarej, their, their striker, um, and I think the first words out of Beal's mouth on the, at least on the interview with, uh, you know, in the QPR, the club was, you know, their striker was ruthless. And, you know, the, the, the unsaid thing was ours weren't right. Or, or we weren't, we weren't uh, at it in front of the goal. And yeah, it is, it is interesting to me. And I, I have, maybe I'm one of the few, I have all kinds of time for Dykes. I, I think he does a ton um, that doesn't get a whole lot of credit, but, this would have been a game in, in hindsight, it's easier for me to say it like, you know, from 5,000 miles away or whatever, but this might've been a game where it would have been interesting to see Dykes and Armstrong start together. Um, Because I I'm like you, Dan, I think once, like once they were kind of packed in, I don't think Armstrong's pace does anything, but it could have been interesting. Like at the beginning to like, would, would him barreling down in front of, you know, in front of Ponzo or Doyle or one of those guys, would that have made, could, could that have opened up a lane so I don't know. I don't know, really answer your question, but I, you know, I guess I just feel like Chair's trying really hard. I think he has to, but there were, you know, again, there were a couple of opportunities where I think he could have passed earlier that mm. could have opened up a lane. You yeah. Know, it, know he's maybe hanging on to the ball and Willick seems not fully fit. And so I think, I think that plays all it plays into all of that, but yeah, the last, last three or four games, I just don't, I don't know where, I'm not seeing where goals would come from. Yeah, that that is the worrying thing, isn't it? And I guess with Chair, because he is trying, like you said, he's trying hard, but you know, probably doing trying a bit too much, trying to go himself a few more times. He's, um, you know, people have suggested that he's not confident with the players he could be passing it to because there was a couple of times earlier on in the season where he could have had quite an easy pass for Roberts uh, to cross it in and he's decided not to and stuff like that and gone himself and it's not quite worked and he's obviously a very talented player and you know we mentioned at the start of the season and Micah who has a lot of time for Ilias chair 
wrote an article about how this is his season to really step on, really be the leader of the team and get, you know, really improve his goals and assists. And it's something that Bill pointed to as well. And he's clearly striving to do that. But is it a little bit too much? Is it a little bit too much for him at this point? He's looking to to Willock as well, who has had a good season on paper. Look at his stats. He's scored fantastic goals. He's got assists. But he's been inconsistent with his fitness because of a couple of unlucky injuries and stuff like that. Like you said, he's coming into games perhaps not quite as fit. And then also, even though he's had a pretty good season on paper I don't think we've seen him play well I think he's kind of like you know he's 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 had moments of brilliance but it's not consistent throughout the 90 minutes and if if you're looking at it and if perhaps a neutral looked at uh one of our games where we had played well I don't know you know with, with that when they don't have all the sort of biases and they don't have their own favorite player would they look at it and think oh Willock was amazing or would they look at it and think that chair works really hard and he may not have got an assist today, but God, he's everywhere. And I've seen a few sort of non-QPR fans say chair's a very impressive player because of that effort. Um, but it's perhaps going, gone a little bit too far um, in the last couple of games, at least. Uh, Dan, last week we were talking again about that sort of breaking down sides. And there was a, me- we mentioned briefly about having a quality of chances over a quantity they had quite a similar amount of shots to us. They had 13 shots, 11 for us, but they had four shots on target. We had just the one. So does it come back to the quality of the opportunities that we're creating? Because as well, yeah, I think you mentioned to us in the week about Dykes's individual XG is up near eight. But Apart from the what really shocking one against Hull, I don't know. I can't really remember many instances where he should be scoring that. I'm looking at him thinking, yeah, he should. Yeah, I think I think we didn't really create quality uh, on Saturday. I think our best moments were probably um, down the right hand side in the second half, where Willock and uh, I think Laird had a few kind of one v one isolation opportunities, and then I think Laird went out for a corner or a throw in, but then. Willock was able to beat Panzo twice, but kind of uh, whipped in these panicked uh, crosses. Uh, I don't really want to go on another cross crossing run after last week's pod, but when Dykes is 1v2, 1v3 in the box, and you're just um, throwing just balls needlessly in the box, it, is, it don't make sense to me. Uh, I'd much rather him kind of continue to beat the man or or get to the byline um, for those cutback areas. I think there's one there was one opportunity where Dykes kind of makes that front post movement that he normally makes, but it's kind of pointless if you're whipping balls to the back post. So there's not really an understanding between the, the front three or the attackers at the minute for me. Also, with like Dykes' individual XG, how are they sort of, how's that stat put together, basically? Because Just is the it. Total because... amount of shots. Just his shot accumulation over the season, yeah. So I like mean, he's shot... had a lot of shots. I think, I think he's had some good chances. I think. Obviously, you said Hull. I think Blackpool, yeah, quite a few. Mm. Um, I, can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I saw it at the start. And I was quite surprised. Um, but yeah, he's had the most. He's had the most xG of uh, any any player in the championship this season. So he's had chances. I don't think I wasn't like hammering or anything. So I don't mm. think it's all his fault. But uh, I do think he should have scored a few more goals than he's probably got this, he's at, this season. I think, and I'm just checking it now. He's at six. 
goals. Yeah, six goals. Season. Six goals. So the difference is, I think it was 2. like 5. eight point something, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, you've. It, I guess you could say that's quite a large underperformance. But then you're going to get players that are massively overperforming as well. That are probably probably only on like sort of six, and they're already on nine or whatever. Interesting enough as well. McBurney was on a similar XG to him, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, let's look at the first goal then in a little bit more detail. Was this a bit sloppy? You know, the, uh, Bill talks about trying to prevent the corner here. Um, Laird, he's had a very good season so far. I'm very impressed with him. Doesn't exactly cover himself with glory. And, you know, with the rest of the side, his his performances have been, I would say, decre- decreasing in quality over the last couple of weeks. So, Jacob, do you reckon there's a little bit of a hangover here with the sort of we don't actually know how to defend set plays, so they tried desperately to avoid giving up and away here. Yeah, maybe. Um, I did like what Beal said, you know, after the match that you know that uh, this next month will give them time to get it, it for just a second. It sounded a little Warburton-ish to uh, to me that uh, you know we just haven't had enough time on the. On the training ground, I got so sick of hearing Mark say that. And I'm please, Beal, please don't start going down that route. We all know no one has enough time on the training ground. But he, he did intimate like that. You know that might be a little bit of, of fear. But I, I will say, gosh, just rewatching that, I just feel really harsh for Laird. I mean, you know, I think he defended the play well. You know, maybe should he have, have gone somewhere differently with it? But that that ricochet was pretty lucky. Who is it, Allen? If he if yeah, miss kicks it, yeah. If he makes a connection, I think it's blocked or Sinny's there. Um, but then the other piece again, you, when you've got a striker that's in form, and you know, to me, it was like this: this is a shark, like sensing blood in the water, mm. and you know, the exact opposite of what's happening in front of our goal. Uh, it was like that was just a perfect for me, kind of microcosm of what's what the last four games have been like. You know? I think the thing is as well, there's obviously been a lot of comparison between Dykes and Jaikrez over the last couple of days. I I, I like Dykes, but on paper, I would say Jaikrez is a better striker. He's probably the best of what the championship is going to offer in terms of who's going to be moving up to the Premier League soon. Dykes is a capable striker in the championship, but you're comparing him with one of the best in a sense. So, um, you know, we're not necessarily uh, the disappointing thing is that they got him on the cheap, they had him on loan, and you know, whilst we were trying to do similar things for similar prices in that same market, we weren't able to pick up on the right player. That's the disappointing thing. It's just that to compare Dykes and Jokerez is a little bit of a mismatch, I'd say. Yeah, um, fair enough, fair but, enough. Yeah. But that's just kind of the way it's gone recently. Um, but you, it's, it's impossible not to compa- compare them, isn't there? When, you know, we're not scoring, we've scored one goal, scored by Dykes, by the way, <laughs> in the last, what, four games. Uh, and then you've got Jaikrez, uh scoring a race. So, yeah, it's uh, disappointing, I guess. Um, Dan, you've mentioned, that both of you have mentioned a couple of times that no one really had a good game. But if you look at sort of, tweets from the game and you look at the match reports from various different organizations and the uh, highlights as well Senny Dieng made some very good saves yeah yeah he did um 
the one the one in the second half, I think it was for Yokoraz's hat trick potentially. Uh that was a superb save, I thought. Um and I think he might have made one he might have made a few in the first half as well. But no, I thought he had a good game. I thought to be fair, Dunn was probably the better of our defenders. Uh in terms of probably had more threatened from set pieces going forward. Um I don't think he was brilliant, but for for what we've lacked kind of uh, set piece wise going forward at the minute we have, I don't think we scored in ages um, he kind of gave us some some hope on that sense so I thought Dean had a very, um, good game in keeping us keeping the scoreline down um, I thought Dunn was, was better to be fair Okay and uh, this is a bit of an open question for you because I, I just forgot about it about the second goal you've got Clark Salter again in the left back position for the first goal um, dives in do we think he should have just stayed on his feet or was it a bit of a rush of blood moment? Maybe. It's hard to say. I think that, I think on the flip side, I think the composure from Yoko is a superb person mm. um, to, to kind of take the touch, go around him and, uh, and smash it home. So, yeah, you could say that. But then if no one applies the pressure anyway, then there's, there's an, it's a free free shot for him. So, no, I think I think it was credit to Yoko in fairness. Jacob, anything else to add on the Coventry game? Uh, no, I guess other than just the fact that I, I think it's a this is a perfect time for a break. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, for for everybody involved, um, including the four thousand people that made the trek up there. I <laughs> uh, couldn't agree more. So as mentioned, there we have a break in this season. So let's briefly look back at what's gone on so far. Um, Jacob, because you live in the US, you probably get to watch a lot more QPR than either me or Dan, despite you being the furthest away from Loftus Road. Yeah. So, what? How basically? How do you have you enjoyed it so far? Yeah, it's been it's been a really great season. Uh, you know, there was uh, it was a little bit of a rough start, um, but but again, that was knowing who we had. I mean, when we had Shadipo and. Hamelina and actually starting games or you know getting significant minutes no offense to them as people but that's just not going to get it done um and uh, you know it is also important for me to remember at least that you know Beal had what three weeks a month or something before the season started so I mean that you know that it's cliche right but if you had told me on August 20th or whenever the first day of the game season was that we were going to be seventh place I would have said you're lying so yeah. it's, I, I'm, I'm, I, for the most part, I like watching the football. The last couple of games is a, has, has not been really fun to watch, but the Norwich game was a good game to watch, you know? And I, I so yeah, I'm, I've been satisfied. And for the most part, it's been entertaining to watch. Good stuff. Um, Dan, if there's a very small thing that we could do to improve on, what would it be? Oh God! Um, put me on the spot there. Um, I don't know. Well, actually, I would do not actually. Um, it's it's breakdown, breakdown, low, low, low blocks. Um, we need to improve on that. Just kind of in patterns, um, ways we're doing it. Because from what I gather from Rangers fans, um, from previous when Bill was there, crossing was kind of a constant theme. So if we can kind of cut out the the needless crossing and kind of build in different ways then yeah I'd, I'd be happy with that yeah um i guess as well we could sort of perhaps ask for other players apart from chair and willock to 
sort of step up in the sort of creative roles, I'd guess. I think Tim has. I think yeah. I think he's been arguably standout player in the last month or so for me. I think he's Premier League destined. Um but yeah, outside of that, I mean you lose Stephanie Hansen, you use you lose Tim, uh you've got a not fit Richard, so you kind of clutch him on straws with creativity of Cherry and Willock on it. Uh, uh, yeah, question, go ahead. That effect just about you know, y'all's thoughts on Roberts. Um is because I I feel like he was supposed to be the next creative guy, and I haven't seen a whole lot of that, but I don't. The issue of Roberts is that I don't know whether he his best position fits in with QPR at this point because he's going to probably play in a similar... I, I wouldn't have him leading the line, so he's going to have to come in for one of Cheryl Willock. So he's that, that just doesn't seem possible, really, unfortunately for him. And I've... I've probably been critical of him because when I've seen him play for Leeds previously, I was not very impressed. But Dan is much more singing his praises than I ever was. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I don't know, I think he's had issues with a constant calf injury or whatever. That kind of ruled him out. I was quite hot on him at the start of the year. I thought he was kind of, I think we we had no Willock, so it was kind of him and Cher. Um Kind of on form. I think I think we played well. To be fair, we probably had one of our better runs with him inside as the number nine. I think it was Bristol City, Stoke, Millwall. Um, it gives you something different. So I suppose if you don't really want Dykes for a game, he can be the one. But yeah, it's keeping him fit um, and consistent with with Chair Willock and Dykes kind of constant starters in the side. I guess. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing I was going to mention as well is if you look at our sort of results apart from the sort of period when we're beating Sheffield United and stuff like that I don't think any of the results look amazing and as it's been pointed out by uh, QPR Analytics on Twitter he's a fantastic follow is that this is a mid-table side overperforming at this point in time and that there's always going to be a bit of an overcorrection and if you look at the results that we've had so far I would suggest that they are with the exception of perhaps beating Sheffield United at their place, there's a few sort of, yeah, that's a mid-table kind of result if you look at it over the long run. And it's kind of starting to equal out like that right now. Um, so perhaps we shouldn't be so surprised about that. Very quickly, um, Jacob, you can go first. If you were to get the opportunity to improve one of our, one of the positions in the squad, with a transfer come January, what would it be? Yeah, I think as much as I want to say striker, I think left back. I think that's that's a bigger that's a bigger hole for us. Cool, Dan. Um, no, I will say striker. No, I think as much. Yeah, I, I do agree with the depth, but I think if we we get a better striker in terms of goals, that kind of helps us in a way. In a way, but I'll say striker. I think both are valid uh answers to that question definitely uh there's need for strength and depth in both positions so that is the end of this week's podcast not too much to talk about on this week but a very enjoyable one to record all the same so thank you very much to dan for coming on but most importantly thank you to jacob for coming on yeah I, i've loved it and uh again keep doing the great work it's really it's it's keeping your international fans alive, let's say that, or, or uh, keeping us entertained. Uh, well, we really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to be honest, now that you're on this podcast, we don't know who's going to listen to it this week. So um, 
you know, maybe Ben will listen. So, and if if Ben is listening, thank you, Ben. Um, He's too busy with the uh, Weather Springs toilet review, isn't he? Uh, of course, of course. He's. Uh, I, I believe he's going to do Swansea's ones next. So. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, follow us all on Twitter. Subscribe to us on the pl- podcast platform that you are using uh, to listen to this, and give us a review either on that platform or on Chartable. So thank you very much for listening once again. And until next time, come on, you ask.